As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back, everybody. This is Arthur Staple. You're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Today, taking a little bit of a turn from our usual conversation, bringing back uh, an old friend of the show, an old friend of mine from many years uh, talking in locker rooms, and someone who's a definite fan favorite if you're an Islanders fan from the 2010s. It's Colin McDonald. How you doing, Colin? Doing well. Always good to speak to you. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. And, uh, for those that don't know, within the last month or two, Colin announced his retirement after a, uh, I guess, about a 13-year professional career, 12-year professional career, which included a couple of very important stops with the Islanders. Um, first, right around the uh, 2012-13 shortened season when uh, he became an NHL mainstay, and then finished his pro career with Bridgeport last season, uh, where he was uh, the the voice of the veteran voice in the room with a lot of young guys. So. A lot of good Islander stuff to talk about, but first, uh, how is retirement sitting with you, and and what are you doing with yourself to keep busy? Yeah, so it, it's uh, it's been a change, like we just uh, touched on off air, uh, but it's very exciting. Um, we're very happy. Um, you know, obviously, uh, COVID maybe forced the issue a little bit, but that said, it's not like I was just getting my career going. I was definitely towards the end. So let's say the last six months when I decided I want to kind of challenge myself and get outside hockey, just started networking and talking to people, learning what else is out there. And I'm very thankful uh, through hockey people, not that I know personally, um, I was connected with them and uh, I joined a company called Recorded Future. It's a security intelligence company, uh, cybersecurity to be more specific. And um, again, I'm just kind of getting my feet wet right now. Um, a lot to learn, but I, I really enjoy the product. And um, at the end of the day, we're trying to help people, which is which was important to me. Um, you know, not, now that I decided to get out of hockey. Yeah, how was I mean? You know, playing last season uh, and then having it kind of cut short because of the pandemic. I imagine, like you said, it, it, if you maybe you were just starting out, things would be a little different. But uh, but I, I imagine there's there's some peace that comes with this just because of the situation this year, especially in the AHL, where it's such a short season and it's kind of haphazard. Uh, so did that kind of help ease your mind on the transition? Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, I took the first couple months to figure out what I wanted to do. And, um, 
you know, once the, the league, the American league specifically kind of, you know, a couple teams dropped out and they talk about the shortened schedule, of course. And, um, um, you know, all like the COVID protocols, nothing against that, but it just kind of, um, uh, talking about Bridgeport specifically, you know, playing against two other teams. I think Bridgeport, they have the part of the, the lowest number of, of games, you know, though I'm playing within the American league. I was just like, you know, maybe this is time to just call it. And um, to be honest with you, I, I've, I've handled this a lot better than I thought I would, you know, because as you know, we invest so much in, into trying to not only make it tangential, but to stay, um, but yeah, for whatever reason, I just, I just found peace and, and granted to, I, you know, I got to 908 games played. Right. So to your point, it's not like I was just, uh, trying to, uh, make a name for myself. So I, I was very happy with the career that I had, the people that I met, all those kind of cliches that, um, you hear from people in my position and I was very thankful, uh, thankful. I have some stability now, uh, for my family, which, you know, you just don't get in professional sports and, um, yeah, just excited for this kind of next chapter that I, uh, I just, uh, started. Well, let's, uh, let's look back a little bit. You know, the Islanders figure so prominently in your, in your pro career. Um, when you look back at some of your fondest memories, do they come from that, that kind of breakthrough season for you in 2012, 13? Yeah, no doubt. And I know you and I have talked a lot about this, but I guess just for the people that are not familiar, I can give you the Cliff Notes version. I was 28 at the time, just really scraping, clawing, trying to uh, uh, get my break, if you will. I you know, led the league in, in goals uh, a, couple, uh, a couple years prior, and that didn't do it. So, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to Brent Thompson, Eric Boganicki, when I signed in Bridgeport that lockout year, they're like, Mac, you're not going to make this team as, as a goal scorer. You got to be a gritty kind of bottom six, you know, um, role player. And I, at that point, nothing else seemed to work. So I really bought into that. And I think the best thing that um, happened to me was that lockout year, I had whatever ended up being, say I had a 30 game tryout down in Bridgeport to give Snowy a real good look as to who I was. It's, it's very tough in training camp. Um, to, to get that fair shake, to get that fair look, you really got to do your best to stand out, of course. And for whatever reason, I wasn't able to do that. So to get kind of that 30 game trial where they can get to know me both on the ice and off the ice, um, I think really helped uh, give me a chance. And um, obviously I was desperate to try and uh, make a name for myself being, you know, there's, I, I wasn't even qualified as a rookie. I don't think because of my age that year. So uh, I'm just desperate to, to stick and, uh, not just for myself, but a lot of things seemed to click for us that year. Um, you know, obviously playing with, with Casey and Marty, very similar, easy players to play with, as you know. Um, so that helped and, um, the team was able to find some traction in that shortened season. And then you get the kind of the interest of the fans back and, uh, getting them in a Coliseum and, um, uh, just kind of feeding off that. Uh, heading towards the end of the year, then in the playoffs, of course. So uh, I know I'm going on here, but uh, <laughs> definitely, um, you know, the most memorable part of my career was my time with the Islanders. That was kind of a, a you know, it has some parallels, I imagine, not with the kind of team that the Islanders have now versus the kind of team they had then, but just with the shortened season. 
um, when you watch the guys kind of go through it now, and obviously, you know, you, you qualify anything by saying they're going through it in the in the COVID world. So the, the travel and everything is so much different. But when you have that condensed three or four month season where you got to pack in a bunch of games and every game seems to mean a little bit more than it might in a longer season, how do you kind of, because that season too, you guys got off to a, a slow start and really just kind of came on big at the end. How do you kind of keep it together when through the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs? Yeah, I think, um, again, to your point, we started off slow, right? But you don't have 82 games to kind of figure it out. So you really have to buy in sooner than later and, and figure that out. And once we did figure it out, I thought we were able to carry that through the end of the year. Again, you don't have to worry about carrying that momentum for, call it 40, 50 games. You just have to, you know, we kept saying it's a sprint to the finish. It's a sprint to the finish. And um, we were able to kind of figure it out at the right time. And again, just carried that uh, um, through the end of the season. At that point too, um, I, I don't know specifically, but you know, the team team was struggling the years prior. And um, I think we all, that year we realized we were in the mix for call it the duration of a full season. And um, I think that got us excited to get that experience that a lot of us did not have at that point. And, um, you know, I guess the, the stars aligned, so to speak. And, um, you know, we were able to get in. You know, there's only a few guys left from that team that are still around the Islanders, which I guess if it's almost been a decade, that's actually not too bad. And one of those guys uh, who's kind of been uh, in the spotlight a little bit the last couple of weeks is Thomas Hickey, uh, who came in that year. Um, you've known him for a long time. And when you see what he's gone through and to be able to get back on the ice after a couple of years away, did you uh, did you take note of that? And, and you know, what are you from your time knowing Thomas, you know how much I assume it meant to him? Yeah. And, and again, not to make this about me, but he did call me about two weeks ago just to kind of congratulate me about my career. But what I'm getting at is we, we, we had the opportunity. We had a, a pretty good talk and um, it's just such a, a emotional situation. Um, you know, I was there uh, obviously last year with him down in Birchport, kind of going through it. And, um, you know, he's just, it's hard to put into words. Um having someone go through that, you know, I, I have a brother and a sister and, um, you know, I, I get emotional just thinking about that. And here he is trying to, again, kind of reestablish himself in the NHL. And, um, so to see when he finally got in and to play well, um, and to, to listen to his interviews and just to see the emotion, um, that he's still carrying, it's just such a, special moment. And I know people say in these situations, but it really just kind of hammers home the point of, you know, sports is, is so uh, insignificant in, in certain situations like that. And, you know, the, the glass half full kind of mentality is, you know, he, he has hockey to kind of um, as his outlet, right. To be around the guys, to be around the game. Um, and again, I, I know you just said it, but he's, He's such a class act. Um, you know, we, we came to the honors together. I think we picked him up off waivers from LA, if my memory yeah, serves me correct right. that year. So kind of get in at the right time, or I shouldn't say right time, but the same time. But then we were both finally able to uh, to make it as we both struggled, um, you know, getting that opportunity. And, um, you know, he's, he's gone on to have a heck of a career. Um, but yeah, you're just... Uh, you know, your, 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 your emotions just kind of, your, your heart just feels for him having to go through something like that. 
Now you mentioned you were, uh, like we said, back in Bridgeport last year and uh, different environment, different different management. Uh, same Brent Thompson still there coaching. Um, but some of the younger guys that you were with down there who have kind of graduated up, whether it's playing some taxi squad like Otto Koivula or uh, a guy that you got to know very well last season, Oliver Wallstrom, who's really having, you know, if there weren't a couple of other rookies lighting it up around the league, he'd be a guy that would be maybe getting talked about a little bit more for a Calder Trophy. You know, what did you see from from Wallstrom last year, and, and are you at all surprised by the way he's been able to put it together so far with the Islanders? No, I think you're, you're, never, you're never surprised. I mean, let's be honest, like first-rounders are going to get that opportunity, right? And um, I think you have to remember, too, how young the, these kids are. Um, I think people, fans, sometimes even media just forget how young they are. And I see that side of it just from like an off the ice perspective. Right. And, but on the ice, you see the talent level, right? Like it's, it, there's no question. Um, you know, uh, I, I see that and you, you, I see it in practice. Right. So um, the fan or whoever might not see it as much in games because it's hard. It's, it's, it's a tough sport. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to figure out the game at that level. And, there was definitely times that he, I don't want to say struggled. He was trying to figure out the pro game. I think he had, again, was it the one year of college and he made the jump and um, you know, it, it, for some people, it takes times. It, it takes time to figure it out. There's only so many superstars in the world that can come in at 18 and uh, it's a seamless transition. So um, by no means am I surprised to see the success he's had. I, and uh, very happy he was, I want to say, given this opportunity, but he, he has this opportunity in, in front of him, and, and he's obviously running away with that. You know, there's a lot of people that get that opportunity, don't do much with it, and then, you know, they're, they're, they're crawling their way back. Um, you know, it could be for a season. It could be for, for many seasons after that. But he definitely has those intangibles, um, that, those buzzwords that people always love to talk about. Um, but again, potential is such a, is such a finicky, scary word, right? Like potential is great, but it, it means nothing at the end of the day. So, uh, it's, he's around the right people in that dressing room. Uh, I don't know the coaching staff that well, but obviously they know how to, uh, um, uh, have success. Um, and again, I, I guess the stars are aligning for him as far as just being in the right environment, the learning environment, having the right guys to kind of hold him accountable. Um, playing with the right people, um, and then his his natural ability is able to take over. And uh, the cameras, uh, MSG cameras, have kind of caught him a couple times singing along with whatever song's been playing in the arena. And and I've certainly heard uh, whispers about, you know, not whispers, but just comments about uh, he he is his own young man. Uh, even though he's a young guy, he's got a very loose, free personality. You must have seen that up close too. Yeah, and it's. You know, I think I think Trotz had a comment when he was asked about that, and he, he spun him and said something along the lines of, "You know, I thought it was great. You know, it, it shows he's the moment's not too big for him." And you know, talking about myself at 28, and the, the moment was too big for me at times, or at least maybe I didn't I didn't show that, but I definitely felt that right, like a holy cow moment. And for him to be kind of that loose on the bench, like I wish I had that. There, I can. I can guarantee you, you go around the room and there's, you know, 90% of those, of those players would say, I, yeah, I wish I had that kind of uh, loose kind of um, 
a, a feeling during these games, you know, and um, you know, I, people, coaches, they always say like, you know, you play your best when you're not thinking you're just playing loose, you, you're having fun. Right. And um, he's obviously able to, to carry that same, um, I guess, approach to the NHL level, which is very hard to do. You know, you, you make one mistake and, you know, you might not see the ice uh, the rest of the game. You're worried about if you're getting back in the lineup, uh, you know, all those kind of uh, results that might happen in certain situations that you're, you're very well aware of. And um, the fact that he can handle it um, the way he is, I think, speaks volumes to, uh, you know, I guess maturity at such a young age, not getting, um, uh, you know, uh, outplayed uh, by that moment. And you, uh, as we said, when you came up, you know, Garth Snow was the GM, Jack Capuano was the coach. There was definitely a, a particular feel around the Islanders organization. It had a real kind of uh, small family feel, uh, an us against the world sort of feeling. And now you finish your career playing in an organization for Lou Lamarillo, who runs things as tight, runs as tight a ship as anybody out there. Um, what was it like to be in the organization with Lou and kind of come back to it after a couple of years away? It must have been, uh, it must have been a strange feeling considering, uh, like I said, that the the three years you spent uh, under Garth uh, in a very different environment. Yeah, I mean, by no means was was Snowy a a country club environment, so I'm hesitant to 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 make that reach. But yeah, I mean, Lou has his ways of doing things. It's, it's very well known. I I can't speak too much to it. To be honest, uh, to be honest, obviously because I you know wasn't up with him. Um, but some of that definitely trickles down to Bridgeport and. Then, uh, again, that's, I think that's more my, I don't think I know that's more my personality, that kind of type a, uh, structured environment. So I have no problem with that. Um, again, from a selfish point of view, it was nice for me, you know, with my province college background, um, I was finally able to cross paths with, um, with both Lou and Chris, um, you hear so much about them, um, during school, um, and it took me a long time to finally get that opportunity, but uh, yeah, it was just very nice um, to get that experience with them. And um, you know, if it's it's hard to it's hard to question what he does with the results that he gets, right? I think at the end of the day, it's just holding people accountable. And you can make the argument that that doesn't happen a lot these days, right? Not just in hockey, but in society in general. And uh, it's probably for a different conversation, but it, I it, I don't mind. I don't mind that accountability that he sets from day one and, and everyone's held to the same standard, you know, and uh, a guy like, uh, you know, Matt Barzell to a guy that's, uh, you know, not in the lineup that much. Everyone is held equally and I have no problem with that. Well, um, we're really appreciative, Colin, that you came on here and uh, put a nice bow on your, on a very impressive NHL career that, uh, blossomed with the Islanders. Like I said, I think there's a lot of fans out there that have incredible fond memories of, of not only that season, that first successful season in a long time, but your role in it. So from them, I say thank you. And from me, I say thank you. It's always great to talk to you. And uh, Colin McDonald, everyone, really appreciate it. Thank you, Arthur, again. Thanks for having me on. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right. Well, that was a great interview with Colin McDonald. And now we're back to our regularly scheduled co-host, AJ Maletsko has hopped on. How you doing, AJ? I'm good, Arthur. How you doing? Doing great. Uh, better than the Islanders are doing. So <laughs> uh, they managed to they managed to squeeze out uh, you know a couple of wins this past week, but their last two games in Pittsburgh were kind of varying degrees of eh, um, which is the best way I could put it. They really didn't look like themselves, and maybe it's Pittsburgh who's beaten them six out of eight times now. But I think we're starting to see a little bit of a thread emerge now in the nine games they've played without Anders Lee, and I think to my mind the thread is. There's something missing, and you know maybe that's a stupid way to put it or a simple way to put it, but it's more than just Anders Lee on the ice. They seem to not, you know, they this is three games in a row now. These last two in Pittsburgh and the one in Boston, they did not have good first periods. Uh, the the first game in Pittsburgh they compounded it by a terrible second period, but um, it just feels like there's someone that's not there's somebody like an Anders Lee that's usually there to kind of pull the, everyone together and reinforce the coach's, coach's message is just missing and you can see the results of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that so much of it to me is um, what we see on the ice as fans in the media and then what we know goes on behind the scenes, but we don't see, right? So as a captain, as a leader on this team, as somebody that is so universally respected, um, you're absolutely right to try to take that message, reiterate, take Barry Trotz's message and try to reiterate it to his teammates. Um, and then also, you know, just the way that he plays, he sets an example in that grittiness, the strength. I mean, you and I have talked on this podcast, even this season, how he's elevated his game and how he did that by improving his skating during the COVID quarantine. Like he really took advantage of that time away from the rink in the longer off season and, and became, you know, he got better stamina and can, can skate better. So when he's playing alongside a Matt Barzell, he can stay out as long as the guy with the iron lung, because we all know number 13 would stay out there for all 60 minutes if, if he could. Um, so, you know, I think with him gone, the team did rally a little bit, right? I mean, now given they played the Devils and then they pulled out two out of three wins against Philly, but based on what we've seen from Philly, that's, that's maybe not saying as much as it seemed to at the time. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think for them, it was great to see Matt Martin get that, uh, you know, second career power play goal and that physical presence that Anders Lee has in front of the net. But I agree with you, not only just the top line, but that power play presence. And and again, what goes behind on behind the scenes as captain in the locker room and all these things in this weird COVID year, I think that that leadership is even more critical. So, you know, that's something that they're going to have to figure out whether Anders is around a little bit more, whether, you know, Barry Trotz continues to shake up the line, the lines, but you know, watching last night's game, the first period was just pulling my hair. I mean, they took five shots on goal and none of them looked all that threatening, right? And they did pick it up in the second period, which was heartening to see and tried to take advantage of a cold goaltender. Uh, but overall, some, something's got to change as they come down the stretch here. 
Yeah, you know, when we talk about the on ice, off ice situation, and I and I get this question a lot. I didn't even have to put on any questions on Twitter. I've heard it unsolicited many times over in the last couple of weeks. Why is Leo Komarov playing on Matthew Barzal's wing? Well, I think if we're you know explanations are not excuses, but we try to give some explanations. I think when you say off the ice and leadership and things like that, Leo Komarov and Matthew Barzal have had a pretty um, close relationship over the years. You know, I, I think I wrote a story in Barry Trotz's first year about how he put Leo Komarov's locker next to Barzal's on the road that year, and it reflected back to a time when Barry was in Washington and he did the same thing with Brooks Orpik. He had Brooks Orpik kind of sitting with the Russian mafia there with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov to kind of help include them a little bit more in the team and make make the locker room a bit more of a not a, a North American guys and Russian guys kind of place. And it, and it helped a little bit. And Brooks Orpik is that kind of guy. And Leo is considered to be that kind of guy with the Islanders. And I think he sort of felt like Leo could loosen Barzal up a little bit or maybe make him pay attention a little bit more, understand the harder parts of the game. Um, you know, and I think that's an interesting move off the ice, but to translate it on the ice, especially now, and, and, you know, Leo is Leo. He does what he does. He doesn't really do what Matthew Barzell does on the ice. And um, it's a bit frustrating for the fans. It's more than a bit. They're certainly frustrated and they express it a lot. And I think watching it with a, with a more unbiased eye, like we do, um, I am still a little bit baffled that it's gone on this long. I understand that they're that not only are they down Anders Lee, they're now down Michael Dalcall, who's a guy who doesn't produce a lot, but at least kind of gives you some some consistency. Um, so they're really searching for answers. But I think Matthew Barzal is too important to this team, especially in this stretch run, to kind of let him drift a little bit on the ice. I, you know, and I agree with you on that in that there's there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we are not privy to and certainly the fans are not privy to and, and less so for us this season because all of our interaction with the players and the coaches are all on Zoom and it's all manufactured or, or controlled rather um, it, rather than organic with us being able to be in the room. So there's even less of a feel of what's going on and, and you know, you and I can usually head in there and get a sense of, you know, just different things that are going on that we're, we're not able to do this season. Um, you know, when I look at Leo, I do understand Barry's loyalty and I understand what he offers to the team. And as you mentioned, behind the scenes, the leadership, the uh, mentorship, uh, all of that, Uncle Leo, right? I mean, that's what he's there for. I, but I do tend to agree with you, having him up on that line with Matt Barzell, when you could see Mac go cold for a little bit, you know, he's back on the score sheet now um, trying to put him with people. I mean, at his heart, Matt Barzell is a setup guy. We've seen him score incredible goals. Um, it, there's no question. I mean, between the legs against Buffalo a couple weeks ago, that's still etched in our memory as it should be. Um, but he's a setup guy. So when he's playing with people like Everly, who's a finisher, great. Anders Lee, he's a finisher. Great. Leo Komarov's not a finisher. He's a grinder and he does offer a lot to the lineup. So my question would be, why wouldn't he go down to like a third line and try Wallstrom up with Barzell? And I know a lot of other, I'm not alone in thinking that, but on the flip side, just playing devil's advocate, I do also understand that when you have a line that's doing pretty well with uh, Pajot, Beauvillier and Wallstrom, you, you know, you want to make sure you keep something going on, going um, now that they've come into, you know, they had a really good March. They went 11-4-0, but this last couple of weeks, they just don't, even some of the games they won, I didn't think they looked very good against Boston. Um, so, you know, I would imagine that maybe Barry Trotz, you know, sometimes he says he throws the lines in the blender. Um, maybe we see some of that coming up. Um, 
I, you know, putting somebody like Leo and Pajot together, maybe that works, maybe, and he's done it before. So maybe you mix up that second line. So I, I would expect in the next couple of weeks, we see some lineup changes. You know, we saw Bellows and Zarnik too, to throw in and mix some things up too. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. AJ says we're going to see some lines change. I agree. I don't think it's going to be internally either. You know, we're we're now at T-minus uh, 13 days until the trade deadline. And this little break that they're on right now, um, they're off today after the loss in Pittsburgh last night. They'll practice tomorrow, a very rare practice day. And then it starts a stretch of six straight at home against Washington, Philly, and the Rangers in various order. Um, and I think this kind of feels like the right time to make a move. You know, it, it takes two to tango always. Uh, Lou Lamarillo doesn't just decide he wants to make a trade and then boom, somebody else just kind of hands over whoever they're going to hand over. So um, you can't just say it and make it happen. But if you had an ideal situation to bring someone in, especially after seeing what we've talked about and the, and what seems to be missing, you know, I think for me, uh, as as the time, you know, since March began when we started talking about trade deadline stuff and, and pie in the sky and maybe this guy or maybe that guy, I think you can start to narrow it down to the to the types of guys that that Lou Lamarillo feels like you could, could be brought in and not disrupt team chemistry, guys that maybe wouldn't cost a roster player so that you're subtracting someone from that good chemistry, someone good, obviously, too. Um so I don't think you're going to see a big blockbuster trade with 10 guys moving around or even two or three guys moving in and out. It's This is going to be targeted. This is going to be much like the J.G. Pajot at last the last tread deadline. They're going to identify someone that they feel like fits. Um, and, I, and I definitely think it's going to be someone that they feel like fits in the short term because they are going to get Anders Lee back to the start next season, ideally. Um, so for me, it's a couple of guys that kind of stand out right now. One is Nick Foligno, who I've I think I mentioned here a couple of weeks ago when we did our trade deadline and, and Columbus was actually starting to pull it back together. And now they've completely fallen apart again, losing a couple to Detroit. And now they're headed into Tampa and Florida. Um, you know, to me, he's a guy, he's a captain. Uh, he's a veteran. He's a guy who can score a little bit. And I think most importantly, he's a, he's a high character guy. He's known as a, as a guy who, who fits into certain situations is, is a very adaptable sort of player. Um, we don't know if Columbus is willing to give him up. Uh, we don't know if Lou Lamarillo can convince Columbus to give him up. But he stands out to me as number one on the list of guys I'd like to get if I were the Islanders and fit into that Anders Lee-sized hole in the top six. Yeah, you know what? I I, um, I remember you mentioning Nick Foligno, and I think I really like him. The way he plays, he offers a lot of, you know, you comparing to Anders Lee uh, makes a lot of sense to me because of the the size, uh, maybe not quite as big as Anders Lee, but he plays as big. He's gritty. Uh, he's willing to throw down. And like you said, he's just known he's, he's notorious for being that sort of team guy, do whatever it takes. And of course he's, you know, been a leader for a long time. Um, I, you know, it's always interesting with Columbus when you have Yarmo Kekalino over there as a GM, they, they have a history of making big splashes at the deadline. 
uh, for better or worse. Um, so it will be interesting to see. It, it seems like it has turned into a bit of a train wreck over there. Um, so I think that he will, I, again, I know nothing about that side of it in terms of what, he, what these guys are working with. And I guess none of us do. And that's the fun of it, <laughs> right? We get to banter back and forth and say what we would do, but he can score some goals. Um, maybe he's not quite as much of a goal scorer as Anders Lee, in my opinion, but in terms of what uh, Lou Lamorello is going to be willing to give up, I think that he he certainly fits the bill. Um, they, they need they do need somebody to play on that top top line with Anders Lee that can you know get in front of the net and tip into you know that Anders Lee office right there, and and I think Felino would be good for that. Um, so I agree with you. I think he would probably be at the top of my list without really knowing who the you know upcoming uh, having a list of upcoming. Um, people that would be available in my mind. Um, but I think Felino is a good one. The other guy that's been bandied about, I think a lot of by, you know, writers, commentators, people who know the game, but don't necessarily know what Lou Lamarillo is going to do is Dustin Brown. And that to me is, it's a little bit more complicated, mostly because he's got a year left beyond this season at I think $5.87 million cap hit and anything beyond league minimum cap hit for next season is going to be problematic for Lula Amarillo because we've gone over it a million times. They do have the Seattle expansion draft where maybe they'll have um, someone with a decent size cap hit that'll be selected or they can work out a trade to make sure that the, uh, Seattle selects someone uh, that, that has a decent size cap hit. But you need new contracts for Anthony Bavillier, Adam Pellick, and Ilya Sorokin. And at the very least, those last two guys are indispensable for what the Islanders do, Sorokin and Adam Pellick. So um, there's big raises coming for all three guys. And that really complicates things if you're going to acquire a guy who's got a little bit of term left. Now, having said that, Lou Lamarillo is a creative GM. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing it a long time. And if this is the guy that he wants, he could probably figure out a way to make it happen without killing their 21-22 cap hit. Um, Dustin Brown is uh, an older guy. He's 36. Um, he's having a great year. I believe he's got 14 goals for LA. I've heard from people around the Kings that they love having him there with all of their young guys and they have a million really talented young guys coming up. So it's really a question of whether that this would even be a situation where he'd be willing to move. Um, the Islanders would figure out how to work him, you know, how to work it in financially, what sort of return the LA would be looking for, for a guy who's been a captain, who's been a, a multiple Stanley cup winner for them. Um, you've seen Dustin Brown play AJ this season. Do you see a guy that also fits in that spot on and off the ice that the Islanders need? Yeah, I do. I mean, he is a different, he's, he doesn't have quite as much of the sort of physical grit as a Felino in terms of filling in for Anders Lee. Um, but I really like Dustin Brown. I like his energy. I like, you know, the, when we get to interview him again, I mentioned it's through zoom, but he's, um, he's evolved his game. That's what I think is so impressive when you take somebody like him at age 36 he's changed the way that he plays and he changed the way that he trained. Um, and he talked about it. He said, I, I getting most of my chances from inside the circles in that, you know, area that Butch calls the dirty area. And, and he said, I, I'm getting there quicker in my shift. So it's, it, he's sort of smarter. He's not playing PK. You know, there's all these different things that he has worked on to stay relevant. And I think that that says a lot about the kind of person he is and the kind of athlete and, and frankly, the kind of competitor he is. So the question, of course, is whether he would be he's been in L.A. for so long. Right. He's raising a family out there. Is this something at this point of his career? Does he want to get out because of, you know, there's a chance to be on a team that's heading to the playoffs in a really good position to make a deep run towards the cup? Um, so I do. I like I think that he also plays that role. I think you and I have also talked saying in Southern California about Ryan Getzlaff 
the same reason, if he wants to stay in Anaheim for the, you know, the remainder of his career, I'm sure that he's earned the right to do that. If he also wants to head somewhere else to try to try to win late into the playoffs, then, you know, I think he's earned the right to do that as well. And I think both of those guys bring leadership, bring that locker room, that sort of intangible that we've talked about. Um, and, and neither of them have to go through the quarantine of the border crossing up in Canada. I know they've reduced it, but still, I think that that's, that creates a little, still creates some issues with trades from up north. It definitely does, and there's really not been any big moves that have been made so far. I mean, we saw Eric Stahl go from Buffalo to Montreal for a couple of mid mid to late round picks, but uh, a lot of the big name players are still out there, and, and it seems like we're kind of in the situation where the teams that are out of it uh, seem are starting to understand that they're out of it. So um, the Islanders are very much in it, and I think uh, something that we didn't really discuss that much that I think factors into it, especially with a a GM who knows his players well, like like Lou does, and a coach who knows his players well, like Barry does. Um, sometimes you you make a, a go for it trade, and I don't know if Felino or Brown would really be considered that, but it would fill a big need because you because your players have earned it, and and I think the you know the reward for this team, um, you know Lou Lou wants to win as bad as anybody, so does Barry, so do the guys in the room, but to just sort of say. Well, you know, our captain's gone, our leading scorer is gone, and we're kind of struggling a little bit. Let's punt it to next year, and when he's back, and we'll figure it all out then. I, that's that's not Lou's way for sure, but also it 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 really you know it's a disservice I think to a group of players that the style that the Islanders play, grinding it out night after night, um, it's something that's deserving of a reward for as successful they've been so far this year. Well, and I would also add to that that success in this league is really, really hard to obtain, and it's really hard to sustain to you know to keep it going throughout a season. So, no matter how good your lineup looks on paper, if you've figured something out like these guys have over the last you know obviously two seasons ago, they went second round of the playoffs and exceeded expectations when Barry Trotz took over, and then last year even further went to the Eastern Conference final, falling to the eventual Stanley Cup winner. So, you know, now they're, yes, they're down Anders Lee. That's a, that's a huge loss. We can't underestimate what that does to the team on and off the ice. However, they're playing really well otherwise. I mean, notwithstanding the last week or so, and you and I have talked about that in general, they have a lot of great pieces. Their goaltenders are playing great right now. They're both dialed in. Um, I think they've got the personnel up and down the lineup with a couple holes. And to your point to just say, okay, well, we're going to, this is a wash when, by the way, they're sitting second in the East and only two points back from Washington. Yes. They've got a tough road with a lot of games against the caps coming up. Um, but you know, to me, I think that they have earned that and it's amazing how things can change in this league too, though. I mean, the last time you and I talked about the trade deadline, either a week or two ago, we were talking about picking apart the Nashville Predators. Because they were yeah. terrible, and now suddenly here they are. In a, they wake up yesterday morning. I did their game Sunday night, and they wake up in in a playoff spot, right? So now, not saying that that's going to continue, and and who knows? But you look at Chicago Blackhawks. They were supposed to be horrible this year, and look at how well they've done. So sometimes these guys catch, they catch lightning in a bottle. And so uh, to your point, I agree. I think Lou Lamorello understands that. Understands that that these players want to win. Uh, the staff wants to win. He wants to win. And of course the fans want to see them win. And and it would be such a disservice to what they've accomplished to suddenly become sellers or, or uh, frankly, to not become buyers. Yeah. 
Well, um, we've certainly been talking about the trade deadline a lot longer than anything's actually been happening. So maybe by this time next week, we'll have a new addition to the Islanders and we'll have uh, something more to break down. But certainly uh, a couple of tough games coming up at the Coliseum at the end of this week. Uh, AJ, as always, thank you so much. Always fun. I look forward. I'll be there for uh, on site for the Thursday game. I, I Hopefully they can turn it around. Get some good hockey going. Yeah, and we thank Colin McDonald for stopping by and recapping his NHL and Islanders career. Uh, and thank you all for stopping in as always. This is No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. If you could do us a favor, uh, listening on your favorite platform, subscribe, leave a review. It always helps us uh, figure out what to do with the show and uh, hope you keep enjoying it. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks again, everybody.